Show us the Mueller report. Show us the tax returns. We're not walking away. You tell them, lady. Good for her. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. That's why. I got the feeling that something ain't right. No, it ain't. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me. Jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle. Here I am. Yes, I'm stuck in the middle. From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA. Also in Red Bluff and Redding, California on KFOI, Round Mountains KKRN, and in Eureka on KGOE. Up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's KSO, and Eugene's KEPW. Out in Lancaster, Pennsylvania on WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU, Columbus, Ohio's WGRN. In Palinville, New York on WLPP, Grand Rapids WPRR. Down in New Orleans on WHIV, up in Gallup, New Mexico on KNIZ, out in Concord, New Hampshire on WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ, Seattle's KODX, in Goldendale, Washington on KVGD, Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR, and Minneapolis-St. Paul's AM950 KTNF. We also stream coast-to-coast and around the globe every day for you on the internets on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR, Revolution 99, Workforce Rising, Deprogrammed Radio, and Detour Talk, amongst others. I hope you will support all of them. Fine affiliates all. Blanketing planet Earth five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow, says me, from bradblog.com. Thank you very much for joining us today. We will see what we actually get to. Um, I, I have no idea, to be frank. Um, there's so many things going on, but for uh, some of these stories, there there does seem seem to be a theme here, Desi. Dorian. Oh, there does. Yes, in there the does. volcano of today's news. Yes, volcano. It turns out that uh, Donald Trump is a huge, unapologetic liar about everything, and. Republicans in North Carolina may be the most corrupt Republicans in all of the country, and that is saying a lot. <laughs> That's so, news. I know. No news actually at all there. <laughs> but it in is any an overriding theme. It is. It does seem to thread one. its way through the many stories we will try to navigate for you and try to make sense of. As I say, we'll see what we get to, uh, including, by the way, uh, our latest Green News report with Desi Doyen, Yay. which includes another huge all-new lie from Donald Trump about energy that is even making Republicans in at least one state anyway really very, very unhappy, which I'm so sad to see. So as I said, it is not news that Donald Trump lies about everything. I mean, everything. It is like breathing for him. And while that's not news, or at least it shouldn't be to anybody outside of the Fox News Donald Trump cult bubble, I guess. It is It is still remarkable to me. And it's like nothing I have ever seen from any human being, much less a president of the United States. 
which all of which makes it exceedingly difficult for folks like me and, yes, even those in the corporate media to figure out how to cover this guy at all. I mean, we've never seen anything like this. I've never known anybody like this. And I've known pathological liars in the course of my life. But, but what not, do you do with li- that when it's the president of the United States? And, and he's also being followed by an entire news channel that spews his propaganda and an entire exactly. party that has control of the Senate. Which makes it even worse than the pathological liars that I have known in my life. Because, because they didn't affect the lives of millions and millions and millions, in fact, billions of people. And because they didn't lie in every sentence they spoke. They were smart about their lies. It took a while to figure out that they were lying. This guy just makes stuff up all the time, one sentence after another. So it makes it very difficult to figure out how to cover him at all, which maybe is the whole point. I do tend to simply ignore most of uh, what he has to say, most of his lies, most of the time, because uh, most of the time he's just pulling stuff out of his butt when he opens his mouth and, and says something, and he says anything. He just makes it up. But other times, as is in the case of, you know, the possibility of war, much less nuclear war, it becomes a bit harder to just look the other way. Case in point, as Jeet here uh, noted at uh, Talking Points Memo, I think this was last week. Remember that incident? It, It sort of flew by a week or so ago when Donald Trump announced that new sanctions that had been slapped on North Korea by his own department of uh, his own Treasury Department earlier on that very same day would actually be withdrawn. He was canceling them. He was personally reversing those sanctions that were instituted by his own Department of Treasury against North Korea earlier that day. Now, I I don't know if you remember this or not. I don't blame you if you missed it with everything else that's constantly happening uh, or if you just forgot about it in the turmoil of the secret Robert Mueller special counsel report, which I think was delivered that same day and sort of sucked all the oxygen out of the news cycle that day, uh, delivered to the uh, Trump's appointed attorney general. Just a few hours later, and which, by the way, remains a secret report that even Congress has not yet seen. And we're almost two weeks since that delivery. But on those North Korean sanctions, as uh, Jeet observes, a few points worth uh, noting here. He says uh, one of the difficulties in covering the Trump administration, which the media has yet to solve, is that the administration is breathtakingly mendacious and constantly willing to make up stories out of whole cloth. Here's an example, he says, which got lost amid the Mueller news, outright fabrication about a failed attempt by Trump to unilaterally change policy on North Korea sanctions. Last Friday, Trump tweeted, and this was the week before, uh, Trump tweeted, it was announced today by the U.S. Treasury that additional large-scale sanctions would be added to those already existing sanctions on North Korea. I have today ordered the withdrawal. Of those additional sanctions, he tweeted. Later that day, administration officials were offering a gloss on Trump's tweet that seemed at odds with what Trump actually wrote. As John Hudson at The Washington Post noted also via Twitter that uh, sources say Trump did not withdraw the North Korean sanctions from Thursday. Instead, he's canceling a future round of unannounced 
large-scale sanctions expected for next week. It was a major communications failure as a result of his ambiguous tweet. That's what John Hudson said at The Washington Post, according to sources inside the administration. That was all stuff and nonsense. That was the administration trying to reverse engineer an explanation for Trump's lie about withdrawing those sanctions. Bloomberg uh, reported, uh, clarified a little bit on what happened. They reported that President Donald Trump intended to reverse sanctions imposed on two Chinese shipping companies accused of violating North Korea trade prohibitions until officials in his administration persuaded him to back off and then devised a misleading explanation of his vague tweet announcing the move. They note Trump had stunned current and former government officials with the tweet saying that he had, quote, ordered the withdrawal of additional large-scale sanctions against North Korea. For hours, officials at the White House and the Treasury and State Departments would not explain what he meant. And then later in the day, in the wake of Trump's tweet, the administration finally sought to explain away the move with a statement initially requesting that it be attributed to no one. So again, they were very proud of this explanation. <laughs> they said that the penalties against Chinese companies had not been reversed, but that the U.S. would not pursue additional sanctions against North Korea that were scheduled for the coming week. So, and that that's what Trump had actually been referring to. Okay. Complete a, a complete lie. It took him a few hours to make it up, but that's what they did. As Jeet here sums up, he says, so Trump tried to unilaterally change via tweet a major plank of North Korean policy. This met with a backlash from his own administration, which then backtracked on his policy change by offering a dishonest gloss on his initial tweet. The little episode, he says, is a microcosm for much that is wrong with the Trump White House, a frequent disconnect between the president and his staff, which leads to mixed messages, which is an especially dangerous thing when it involves relations with foreign powers that could easily ignite into war, which is then combined with a general indifference to the truth. The dishonesty of the Trump administration has, he says, of course, wider implications for how we understand other news events, such as the attorney general's letter on the Mueller report. And Donald Trump's subsequent lies about the attorney general's letter about the Mueller report. So I'll get to some of that in a moment. But uh, this is just one reason why I wanted to point this out. It's one reason why I'm so grateful to those of you, I read a, a, a note last week from someone who had donated. Stop by bradblog.com slash donate to support what we do and thanked us for offering facts and trying to make sense of what is going on, what is actually going on, what is not going on. I'm here to tell you it is not easy. This is hard. <laughs> and I, 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 I thank those of you who uh, stop by, and uh, particularly when you set up a subscription at bradblog.com slash donate to help support what we try to do every day. It is hard. Our resources come only from, uh, from you in this grand experiment at truly independent media. 
to help us uh, focus on the stuff that matters and what is real and what is uh, nonsense and hopefully avoid the nonsense that you are often spoon-fed elsewhere. So to that end, uh, as I said, another mendacious lie from Donald Trump, but one with real-world effects, uh, will be coming up later in our Green News Report. Indeed. But speaking of the way that this administration has been lying about the Mueller report... You may have heard some of this since the New York Times initially broke the story just after we got off the air on our previous broadcast. But then Washington Post offered a follow up with a few key points that I'd like to flag here. They report that members of special counsel Robert Mueller's team have told associates they are frustrated with the limited information that Attorney General William Barr has provided. That would be Donald Trump's just appointed attorney, uh, attorney general. The information that he's provided about their nearly two-year-long investigation into alleged Russian interference in the 2016 election and whether Trump sought to obstruct justice. The displeasure among some who worked on, uh, uh, on Mueller's probe, a closely held inquiry, that displeasure has begun to surface in the days since Barr released his four-page letter to Congress on March 24, describing what he said were the principal conclusions of Mueller's still confidential 400-page report. Two weeks later, still confidential. Uh, now, Barr released that four-page letter, you will recall, less than 48 hours after receiving that 400-page report and added his own conclusions about what the report found and didn't find. In his letter, Barr said that the special counsel did not establish a conspiracy between the Trump campaign and Russia, according to The Washington Post. Well, yes and no, at least in regards to Russia's alleged interference in the election itself and only with the Russian government on that point, as opposed to maybe a conspiracy or coordination with uh, associates of Russia, people who aren't actually working directly in the Russian government, but are cutouts who may have been working for the Russian government. On behalf of, like for a quid pro quo or something like that. We we don't know if Team Trump conspired or coordinated with, with uh, with those folks, with those cutouts, or with them on other issues beyond the uh, Russian uh, uh, the interference in the election that Russians allegedly carried out. We still don't know. We haven't seen the evidence on that either from uh, Mueller's report. But things that are separate from election interference, like, for example, Trump's proposed Moscow Tower project, which may have compromised Trump in how he dealt with Russia at the time and ever since. So we don't know. Also, Barr said that Mueller did not reach a conclusion, quote, one way or the other as to whether Trump's conduct in office as president constituted obstruction of justice. But he did note that Mueller expressly stated that evidence that uh, the special counsel found, quote, did not exonerate the president. Nonetheless, uh, Barr told lawmakers that he himself, in less than 48 hours, even though Mueller couldn't come up with it in two years, Barr himself concluded that there was not enough evidence to prove that the president had obstructed justice. But members of Mueller's team now have complained that the evidence that they gathered on obstruction was both alarming and significant. It was, quote, much more acute than Barr suggested, said one person. 
speaking on the condition of anonymity because of the uh, sensitivity of the subject. Remember, this is supposed to be a confidential report that was delivered from Mueller to Barr. The New York Times first reported that some special counsel investigators feel Barr did not adequately portray the findings from Mueller. And uh, some of the members of the office were particularly disappointed that Barr did not release summary information that the special counsel team had specifically prepared. There was, quote, immediate displeasure from the team when they saw how the attorney general had characterized their work instead, instead of sharing the summaries that they apparently prepared for different sections of the report with a view that those summaries could be made public, according to this official. So if there were, say, three different sections in the Mueller report, and we don't know, so I'm just uh, guessing here, but one section, for example, did Russia interfere in the 2016 election and the evidence for or against that? Another section, did the Trump campaign coordinate with the Russians? If so... And another uh, section could be, did Trump attempt to obstruct the investigation into those matters? Those are the things that Mueller was supposed to look at. And Washington Post suggests here that their sources say that each section had its own summary of those issues that could have been released right away by, uh, by William Barr instead of what Bill Barr, again, a Trump appointee, instead of what he did in in characterizing all of this in his own words and adding then his own conclusion that seemed to clear Trump of wrongdoing, which Trump then turned into Mueller has totally exonerated me of everything. The report was prepared, quote, so that the front matter from each section could have been released immediately or very quickly. The U.S. official said it was done in a way that uh, minimum redactions, if any, would have been necessary and the work would have spoken for itself. Mueller's team assumed the information was going to be made available to the public, the official said. Their and, first mistake. Yeah, well, maybe so. And, uh, quote, so they prepared their summaries to be shared in their own words and not in the attorney general's summary of their work, as turned out to be the case. So uh, a Justice Department spokesman responded here saying, well, as the attorney general said in his letter, he does not believe the report should be released in serial or piecemeal fashion. But that is exactly what he did in partially quoting from the report and then adding his own interpretation to it. The Post goes on to say in the wake of the limited information released by Barr, Trump declared that Mueller that the Mueller report provided him with, quote, complete and total exoneration. Quote, there was no collusion with Russia. There was no obstruction, Trump said. But neither of those things is what Barr actually said or presumably what Mueller said, though we can't know until we actually see the report. Now, the House Judiciary Committee, as we noted yesterday, has now voted to subpoena that report from William Barr. Though the Democratic Judiciary Chair Jerry Nadler is said to be waiting, and I don't know why, but he's said to be waiting before issuing the actual subpoena that he's now been given the clearance to issue, to, to wait and see what Barr finally releases on his own before he issues the subpoena. I, and I don't know why. 
But uh, Barr is said uh, to be redacting it, removing all kinds of information for all sorts of various reasons. And it sounds like Nadler is just going to wait for him to come out with whatever he comes out with and then maybe subpoena. I don't know why he's waiting, because, in fact, he's subpoenaing this uh, to be given to Congress and nothing needs to be redacted before it is given to Congress. So we're not even talking about what goes out to the public. Nonetheless, uh, during uh, nearly two years of work, Mueller's team, which included 19 lawyers and roughly 40 FBI agents, analysts and other professional staff, worked in near silence, speaking only rarely through public documents that were filed in court. And the fact that some have been confiding in recent days to associates is a sign of the level of their distress, the uh, Post argues. Some members of Mueller's team appear to have been caught off guard by how thoroughly the president has used Barr's letter to claim total victory as the uh, limited information about their work has been weaponized in the country's highly polarized political environment. Uh, although why those prosecutors and investigators would be caught off guard by all of this does not add any confidence to me, frankly, that they might not have understood just how mendacious and capricious and criminal and dishonest this administration is. I don't know what hole they were living in. Well, uh, they were in the middle of doing a very extensive uh, deep dive investigation, so maybe they weren't yes. paying attention to the mountain of lies. Into the president's mendaciousness and capriciousness and criminal and dishonest behavior. So anyway, I'm happy that at least some in the administration have figured out that you can't expect Trump or his people to ever do the right thing unless they are publicly uh, shamed into it, basically. To that end, remember the story that we covered a week or two ago, and I don't blame you if you don't, where, where some letters from the, uh, from the, the top Marine Corps commandant had leaked out and shared the fact that Trump's pretend national emergency at the border and his deployment on the U.S.-Mexico border uh, of, of U.S. troops, that that had resulted in cancellations of planned military exercises. It had left a bunch of military facilities trying to build, trying to reconstruct uh, after hurricane damage. It left them unable to continue construction because now he's talking about taking money from the military used for construction at military bases like cleaning up after uh, Hurricane Florence in North Carolina. He's taking that money or trying to to use it to build his wall. Well, this Marine commandant, the top uh, the, essentially the top Marine, said that troop battle readiness had been greatly impaired by all of this that the president was doing. Well, now Newsweek has a bit of a follow up on that story, saying that the uh, Marines top general allowed internal memos to leak out of the Pentagon in order to bring attention to service families who were living among the hurricane ravaged military installations as the Trump administration tries to bankroll the uh, the border wall with defense funds at the expense of combat readiness. General Robert Neller, he's the commandant of the Marine Corps, he let two internal Defense Department uh, memorandums leak to the L.A. Times and to NBC News in the past two weeks. As Newsweek reports, according to two Pentagon sources who asked not to be named. The letters underscore the fiscal challenges that the service is facing as it struggles to support security operations at the border. Uh, 
while, quote, unplanned, unbudgeted line items plague the general's fiscal agenda, a burden that General Neller asserts is, quote, unacceptable risk to Marine Corps combat readiness and solvency. When asked why Neller would allow internal memo, uh, memos to leak out to press outlets, one Defense Department source expressed bluntly, quote, because he didn't want the Marines and families at Camp Lejeune in North Carolina to get effed. Mm. But he didn't use the word effed. He used a different word. Newsweek points out that six months after Hurricane Florence first made landfall at Wrightsfield Beach in North Carolina near Camp Lejeune, the base is still waiting on funding for repairs. In, uh, in the letters from Neller, unexpected service spending bills, uh, including for Trump's border operations, left the Marine general no choice but to cancel or significantly draw back planned military exercises in the Mojave Desert. Joint exercises with allied partners uh, in the Indo-Asia-Pacific region and canceled or scaled back other training drills. Uh, combat readiness is degraded and will continue to degrade given current conditions, he wrote in those letters obtained by Newsweek and first reported by the L.A. Times. Um, there's much more here in this report to Newsweek, uh, and I will uh, uh, link to it. But as they're trying to sort out uh, why this happened and why this uh, the, the top Marine Corps commandant is actually trying to get this message out, uh, Marine Colonel Brian Wolford uh, told uh, NBC News when he was asked about the situation at Camp Lejeune, he said, well, we're 100 percent operational. We're, do we're here doing our work, but the conditions we're working under are just like when we were in Iraq and Afghanistan. That's apparently what it's like at Camp Lejeune after this uh, hurricane came blowing through. And right now, the pretend national emergency, as Donald Trump sees it, is building a wall on the southern border. So uh, pretty much this guy just says stuff, Donald Trump, that, uh, you know, he has told nobody about first, forces his people to join in with his lie somehow or to to make it not a lie somehow or deal with it, uh, no matter how much it actually goes counter to what Trump says that he's trying to do. Oh, he's he's trying to deal with the national emergency and and he's trying to make our military strong. He's not dealing with the national emergency. He's not making the military stronger. Uh, or he'll just act like he never said it in the first place, that he just uh, or, or will completely change what it was that he said. As just two other stories out today also underscore very quickly before we get to a break here. Uh, Trump on Thursday backed down from his threat to close the southern border immediately, as he had been continuously threatening over the past week. As the crisis at the border does get worse and worse, not an emergency, but a crisis at the border of people, families and children pouring up from uh, Central America, that gets worse and worse, thanks in no small part to Trump's own policies, including now ending assistance to Central American countries, if he actually follows through with that threat. Uh, his own administration has said that that aid to Central American countries has actually helped 
to keep people from emigrating north has, has actually reduced the numbers uh, coming from uh, these uh, Central American countries. But if he cancels that uh, aid, well, things are expected to get still worse in the month in the months ahead. It's also getting worse thanks to his policies uh, that make climate change worse. That is part of the reason why so many migrants are now streaming up to the U.S., as Desi Doyen will discuss in her Green News report today, I think, in a little bit. Uh, Anyway, Trump told reporters at the White House today that instead of closing the border this week with Mexico, as he had repeatedly threatened over the past week, he is now giving Mexico a one-year warning before taking action. So not this week, but a year from now. Uh, uh, Of course, that is no doubt after Mitch McConnell and others basically begged him not to close the border, warning that this would uh, not just be a humanitarian crisis at that point, but also an economic disaster, given the billions of dollars of goods that come into the country, like much of our fresh fruit and vegetable supply and auto parts for the uh, U.S. auto industry that comes in and uh, what goes out of the country, like oil that is refined here in U.S. refineries that must pass through the border. So Trump had said he would close the border this week if Mexico did not halt illegal immigration into the U.S. But uh, when he spoke with reporters today, he shifted gears, saying that if they do not make progress in Mexico on stemming the flow of drugs and migrants into the U.S., Within the next year, then he will impose tariffs on cars and close the border. Yeah, sure he will. He will do that a year from now. That would be the middle of the presidential primary elections. (laughs) That would be a good look. Yeah, Uh, it would actually uh, cause more chaos at the border, however. And uh, he says that. Well, he suggests that that doesn't actually hurt him, that his people, as he calls them, actually like that chaos because then they can use it to point out how they need a strong man like Donald Trump to deal with it. Recall that when he was criticized for his family separation policy, he told uh, a reporter, my people love it. Whether he was lying or not, we will never actually know because it's Donald Trump. So you can presume he was lying. But anyway, Uh, He says we're giving them one year warning. If the drugs don't stop or largely stop, we're going to put tariffs on Mexico and products, particularly cars. And if that doesn't stop the drugs, we close the border. Well, actually, it works out perfectly for his 2020 campaign because he needs a fight. He needs a conflict. He requires an enemy to point to, an outsider to demonize. And perhaps his supporters are dumb enough uh, not to understand that when he's talking about these tariffs, that these are taxes They're not paid by Mexico in this case. They're paid by the American people. Who pay in higher prices. Exactly. They're the ones who pay the tariffs. Uh, Either he still does not actually know that or he thinks that his supporters are dumb enough to not know that. Take your pick. I don't know which one is true. Uh, Anyway, that was Trump's latest reversal uh, today uh, under his, oh, I meant to do that. That's what I meant to do all along. That's his policy uh, of lying about stuff and then claiming it wasn't a lie at all, but uh, it was his plan all along. Anyway, that comes on the heels of uh, a vow last week to, yes, repeal and replace Obamacare again until Republicans in Congress freaked out about it and and said, well, yeah, okay, we'll wait for the White House to come up with their plan uh, before we talk about that. And, of course, Donald Trump has no plan. 
So it uh, that led to Trump's claims yesterday, I think it was, that he meant uh, all along that he was going to be presenting the Republican plan to repeal and replace Obamacare after the 2020 election. That's what he meant. He didn't. He wasn't ever going to do it before. It's a secret plan. They're developing it in secret because it's so great. Speaking of the 2020 election, we've got still more uh, elections this year in 2019 before we even get there, including two special elections coming up in North Carolina, one of which is a do-over election following the Republican candidate in the state's 9th Congressional District getting busted uh, committing absentee ballot election fraud last November. As you may recall, that do-over election for that 9th District seat uh, will be coming up in a couple of months. Uh, The race was never certified, so that seat has been vacant. And there is another North Carolina U.S. House election in the 3rd Congressional District to replace the late Congressman Walter Jones, who passed away a few weeks ago, sadly. Uh, And there is, in that race, some 26 candidates now running in the primary, including 17 Republicans. But elections aside... There's much more trouble for the Republican Party in North Carolina this week that I've been trying to get to. We'll get to at least some of that next on the broadcast. A whole bunch of trouble that has nothing to do with Donald Trump. You're welcome. That's straight ahead. I'm Brad Friedman. Five major corporations now control more than 80 percent of the media in the United States, but they don't control us. The Bradcast and the Green News Report are 100 percent independent, 100 percent listener supported. But we can't do it alone. We need you. Please help us bring real facts to listeners at independent stations around the nation. You can make a difference. Support independent media. Drop by bradblog.com donate. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. Welcome back, my friends, to the show that never ends. We're so glad you could attend. Come inside, come inside. There behind the glass stands a real blade of never glass. Ends, Be careful it? as you pass. Move along, move along. Welcome back. It's the Bradcast. I'm Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. The show never ends, whether it's Donald Trump, whether it's the corruption of the Republican Party in North Carolina. Take your pick. Uh, So, as I mentioned, there are literally 26 candidates, including 17 Republicans, running to fill the seat of the late Republican Congressman Walter Jones in the uh, special election primary Uh, Later this month in North Carolina in the 3rd Congressional District, where Walter Jones held the uh, seat for several decades. Walter Jones, um, and and it's very sad that he he recently died. Uh, He was a good guy. I liked him. Uh, He was the guy who you may remember back during the Iraq War actually got the congressional uh, cafeteria. cafeteria. Yep. To change the name from French fries to freedom fries because Republicans were so mad at the French at the time because they wouldn't play along with the the phony claims about uh, WMD in Iraq. So uh, but he felt so bad about that. Walter Jones did that. He then apologized, felt terrible, realized that the entire Iraq war thing was a scam. And then thereafter, actually personally wrote letters to 
the families of everyone who was killed in that conflict. He felt so bad. Uh, it's surprising, actually, that he never uh, left the Republican Party to become an independent or even to become a Democrat. Uh, the uh, As the uh, Raleigh News and Observer noted recently, uh, the 3rd District is considered a safe Republican district by the Cook Political, Repo- Political Report. But Jones often voted his conscience. He voted with President Donald Trump, a Republican, just a low 49.3% of the time in the first two years of Trump's term. So he actually voted against Donald Trump more than he voted for him, according to 538.com. Jones ran unopposed in the 2018 general election. He won with more than 67 percent of the vote in 2016 and 2014. So people regard this as a Republican area, the third district. But it seems to me if Democrats actually tried down there, voters might appreciate an actual Democrat instead of a Republican who voted with the Democrats more often than not in recent years. But what do I know? Uh, I was speaking with someone today in North Carolina who tells me that the Democrats are less than well organized in uh, the third district in North Carolina. That's somewhat disappointing to hear. They're not much better organized in the uh, ninth congressional district where there will be that do over U.S. House election in a couple of months after the Republicans were caught carrying out absentee ballot election fraud in uh, last November's U.S. House race there. Democrat Dan McCready will run uh, again against one of the something like 13 Republicans who are vying for the nomination in in that race in the 9th District. And the original Republican candidate, Mark Harris, a Baptist preacher who hired a guy to commit absentee ballot election fraud. Uh, Mark Harris has not yet been indicted, but give it some time. He may be one of the few Republicans in the state, I think, who has not yet been indicted at this point. (laughs) Oh, man. Case in point. This week, North Carolina Republican Party chairman Robin Hayes was indicted by a federal grand jury as part of an ongoing corruption probe that threatens to consume his party. Cam Joseph reports over at TPM. Uh, Hayes, again, the Republican Party chair... The North Carolina Republican Party chair uh, is a wealthy and powerful former congressman. He's been at the center of GOP power in the state for three decades. He was the party's nominee for governor in 1996. He served as a congressman from 99 through 2009. He was the party chair from 2011 through 2013, as well as since now, since 2016. He's now been indicted. Uh, The indictment relates to major donations made by North Carolina businessman Greg Lindbergh, who federal investigators have been probing for white-collar crimes and his political contributions. Apparently, Lindbergh, Hayes, and two others are charged with conspiracy to commit fraud. According to court documents, they were also indicted for bribery, bribery related to programs receiving federal funds and bribery scheme involving independent expenditure accounts and improper campaign contributions. He's also charged Hayes is, again, the head of the North Carolina Republican Party. He's also charged with three uh, three counts of making false statements to the FBI, according to the documents. The DOJ alleges that Lindbergh, 
the businessman Hayes, the chair of the Republican Party, and two accomplices sought to bribe North Carolina Insurance Commissioner Mike Causey, also a Republican. Causey appears, however, to be cooperating with law enforcement at this point in the case. He has not been charged. The four men allegedly offered and gave millions of dollars in campaign support through an independent expenditure effort and asked for Causey to remove a senior deputy commissioner who was responsible for regulating Lindbergh's company in exchange for these contributions. The alleged events took place uh, from uh, April of 2017 through August of 2018, with Causey going to authorities finally in January of 2018. That would be months before the separate and unrelated GOP absentee ballot fraud case in North uh, North Carolina's 9th Congressional District. <laughs> so a whole different set this of a corruption. a whole different scandal of the Republican Party in North Carolina. So the entire, like, North Carolina GOP is on the take in some way. Yeah. This is, by the way, the same North Carolina GOP that has been for years trying to change election law to make it harder for Democrats to vote because they claim that Democrats were stealing elections in North Carolina. So uh, the indictments were unsealed on Tuesday when we everybody learned about them. Uh, U.S. Assistant Attorney General said in a statement on Tuesday, the indictments unsealed today outlines a brazen bribery scheme in which Greg Lindbergh and his co-conspirators offered hundreds of thousands of dollars in campaign contributions in exchange for official action that would benefit Lindbergh's business interests. Bribery of public officials at any level of government undermines confidence in our public system prosecutor said. So after Lindbergh had funneled this is a lot of money, $500,000 to the state GOP, some of it earmarked for Causey's campaign, the ele- the insurance commissioner. After he funneled that money, he pushed Causey to then fire a regulator and replace him with one of Lindbergh's own staffers. He offered $1 million in independent expenditure support of the campaign if Causey made the move. That number grew to $1.5 million in outside support and another $500,000 to be given to the state party. According to the Justice Department, Uh, The chair of the party, Hayes, knew of and discussed these bribes with Causey and Lindbergh directed Hayes to transfer the bribe to his campaign using the state party uh, as an illegal pass through to circumvent campaign finance limits. Hayes even warned in a private call with this businessman, Lindbergh, against moving the money in one lump sum because of worries that, quote, someone would start asking questions, according to the charging documents. So it sounds to me like they had wiretaps on these people at this point. Sounds like they got him. Hayes uh, denied to the FBI that Lindbergh had directed him to pass the funds along, which would be campaign finance law violations. But, yeah, sounds like they've got him on phone taps or something. Hayes, through his lawyer, denied any wrongdoing. Good luck with that. Hayes announced on Monday that he would be stepping down as the party chair 
uh, as of June. So take your time. No rush. <laughs> uh, and not because of the indictments, but because of complications from a recent hip surgery that uh, that convinced him that he needs to resign. Uh, but th- th- those two uh, special U.S. House elections coming up this year in North Carolina, they may not be the only ones because there's more to this story. Mark Walker, Congressman Mark Walker of North Carolina, a member of House U.S. House GOP leadership, he appears to be named uh, in these charging documents as well as public official A in this bombshell public corruption probe unsealed on Tuesday. A federal grand jury indicted these four men, uh, as I said, including the party chair, Robin Hayes, in North Carolina in this bribery scheme, but included in the indictment a conversation between the bribing businessman Lindbergh and an associate about another unnamed lawmaker pressuring North Carolina Insurance Commissioner Mike Causey to fire his deputy, Um, According to the indictment, there's an email from a Lindbergh deputy to him that reads, quote, just between the three of us, public official A, which has been redacted, has already made two calls on our behalf and is trying to help us move the ball forward. I was told that the hundred and fifty thousand dollars will be going to public official A. Public official A appears to be Congressman Mark Walker of North Carolina. Lindbergh donated $150,000 to Walker's Victory Committee that same February, according to the FEC. Uh, His only federal donation that month that he was talking about this, except uh, one to the Republican National Committee, he donated uh, almost $80,000 previously to other Walker-affiliated committees. Walker told Politico, quote, we're not even part of this investigation. But a Walker spokesperson uh, told TPM that his boss has not been charged or indicted and was fully cooperating with the probe while claiming that the money was for something totally different. It was a joint fundraising committee, that $150,000 that was just to be passed on to the RNC. It wasn't for Walker directly. Uh, Walker is not and never has been a target of this investigation, Walker's uh, spokesperson said, and has committed no wrongdoing. He has assisted the DOJ in this matter. All right, well, we will see, and we'll see if the House Ethics Committee is cool with all of that as well. They just might be, I have a feeling, uh, because these kind of illegal but legalized through campaign contribution bribes may be far more prevalent than we even know right now. I hope to talk more about the upcoming North Carolina House elections in the weeks ahead. But I just wanted to get this part of the picture out since it broke this week. And the uh, Republican corruption in North Carolina uh, just never seems to end. All right. uh, More filth and corruption and lies coming up in Desi Doyen's Green News Report straight ahead. (laughs) And some Republican pushback to an all-new lie by Donald Trump. They never end. This is the Bradcast. Hey, this is Brad. If you haven't noticed by now, it's no easy feat finding facts, real facts, not alternative facts, over your public airwaves. We try to bring you real facts, truth, and clarity without fear or favor each and every day on the Bradcast. 
but we need your help to do it. And that help is needed more now than ever. Please stop by bradblog.com slash donate today. That's bradblog.com slash donate. And thanks. Desi Doyen made an excellent point over the uh, over the break there, uh, Daz. Uh, you you noted that in that bribery scandal, all that money they had to give to the yeah, Republican Party. Yeah, clearly there's a lot, a lot of money floating around, and the uh, Republicans' tax cut that Donald Trump signed means that's, that there's a lot more money from rich people rolling that's what around. They, that's what it goes to, man. Cut yeah, the taxes for do. those rich guys. They got a whole bunch of extra money. Now they can give it to the Republicans to bribe them for whatever they want. Yep. Uh, good point. All right. Um, well, you got more good points uh, in our uh, GNR here, and we've got some follow-up to it, so let's get to it. Our latest Green News report. I said, oh, no, not again. Houston rocked by third major industrial fire in two weeks. Rainfall in the western Honduras state of Limpida has fallen sharply. Climate change, a key driver of migration to the U.S.-Mexico border. Exxon loses potentially significant court battle in Massachusetts. Trump says wind energy causes cancer plus where's the beef burger king launches meatless whopper in a market test all of those impossible stories and more straight ahead from bradblog.com i'm brad friedman and i'm desi doyan stand by for six minutes of independent green news politics analysis and snarky comment hillary wanted to put up wind wind and they say the noise causes cancer there's no place like home there's no place like home isn't working. This is your Green News Report. I know a lot about wind. I know a lot about wind. Okay, Desi Doyen. So now Donald Trump says windmills cause cancer? Yeah, it's his newest lie and his bizarre vendetta against clean wind energy. In a speech this week to House Republicans, he did say that wind turbines somehow cause cancer. To be clear, cancer is not caused by noise, (laughs) ever. Numerous studies have found zero scientific validity to claims that noise from wind farms causes health ailments. An energy source that does cause cancer and a host of other illnesses is coal. In a normal world, these crazy pronouncements by a U.S president would get media coverage but that's not the world we live in uh coal causes cancer all sorts of chemicals cause cancer that his epa is now allowing to flow into our drinking water and his complaint about windmills killing birds well his interior department has overturned obama era regulations that hold energy companies accountable for killing birds when they're drilling and mining so hard to take much of what he has to say seriously But there's no news there, I guess. Nope. On to real problems. President Trump has threatened to cut off U.S. foreign aid to Guatemala, Honduras and El Salvador in retaliation for a new surge of desperate families fleeing gang violence to seek asylum in the United States. Of course, the situation and potential solutions are extremely complex. But as PBS NewsHour reports, climate change is an underreported but key driver of migration from Central America, intensifying a years-long drought and rising temperatures that have caused widespread crop failure. In Honduras last year, farmers lost more than 80% of their corn and bean crops after the rains failed again. Not having food makes one desperate. 
Not eating for just one day causes distress. Will you leave? We'll have to get out of here. To find a place where we can have a better life. Meanwhile, Houston, Texas was rocked by its third major industrial fire in two weeks. On Tuesday, one worker was killed. Two are in critical condition due to a massive fire at a sprawling chemical plant in the Houston suburb of Crosby, Texas. Employees reported locked gates and fences blocking their escape. Nearby residents and schools were ordered to shelter in place to reduce exposure to toxic chemicals in the air. The fire is out and state officials say air quality did not reach hazardous levels. The U.S. Chemical Safety Board is now investigating. This latest incident comes less than two weeks after a massive petrochemical fire and an oil refinery fire occurred in the Houston area, a transport hub for the oil and chemical industries. And every time Texas says air quality is not dangerous. Oh, but please shelter indoors, close the air conditioners, put uh, tape on the windows. Thanks, Texas. In Massachusetts, oil giant ExxonMobil has lost a potentially significant court battle. A federal district court judge sided with the nonprofit Conservation Law Foundation, ruling that Exxon failed to use, quote, good engineering practices required by its federal permits in failing to prepare a coastal storage terminal facility for foreseeable severe weather events and flooding caused by storms and rising seas that could spread pollutants far from the site. The ruling could have big implications for fossil fuel companies with coastal infrastructure, like, say, the entire Gulf Coast. Finally, some good news. Fast food giant Burger King says it will offer a meatless Impossible Whopper in a market test at stores across St. Louis, Missouri. The vegetarian plant-based patty was developed by California startup Impossible Foods, and it's said to closely mimic the taste and texture of a beef patty. If it sells well, Burger King will roll it out to all of its 7,000 restaurants in the U.S., helping to reduce the company's contribution to climate change caused by beef production. Also important because Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is banning cows. No, she's not. Well, uh, Senator Ed Markey, he's banning cows. Nope. The entire Green New Deal says there can be no more cows. It doesn't. Really? Really. Why does the President of the United States keep telling me that? Because he lies. Oh. For much more on all of these stories, which are not lies, and more, check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. Find us, follow us, and share us planet-wide on the Facebooks and the Twitters at Green News Report. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyen. And this has been your Green News Report. It's impossible. Tell the sun to leave the sky. It's just impossible. (laughs) Well, impossible burger. You understand. You know what else is impossible? Uh, That's my hometown, St. Louis, Missouri. The fact that uh, Burger King thinks they're gonna it's a test market for the impossible Whopper in St. Louis. It's impossible. Not a lot of vegans going on in St. Louis. We'll see how it go how it works there. Well you don't have to be vegan to enjoy it, you know. So maybe maybe that will be the real test. If it can work in St. Louis, it can work anywhere. Well that's true, yeah. Because uh, anybody could sell an impossible Whopper in California. Uh, real quick, I want to follow up on uh, that uh, Trump's lie about cancer and wind, uh, windmills causing cancer. Uh, he uh, here's one more uh, part that we didn't get to play. There, go ahead, play that. Uh. If it doesn't blow, you can forget about television for that night.
Darling, I want to watch television. I'm sorry. The wind isn't blowing. You know, he's actually funny. If he wasn't president of the United States, he'd be a great, uh, you know, Vegas lounge comedian. He was playing the room there. I <laughs> don't know. He's got the was... sleaze part down for sure. Yeah, that was one of his uh, Republican rallies uh, recently. Um, but the thing is, he's completely lying. And even Republicans are upset about it now. Senator Chuck Grassley of Iowa on Wednesday uh, called Trump's claim that wind turbines cause cancer idiotic. This was uh, after the speech on Tuesday night when he said that uh, wind turbines, uh, the noise causes cancer. Grassley told reporters, uh, as quoted by the Des Moines Register, I'm told that the White House respects my views on a lot of issues. Trump's comments on wind energy, not only as a president, but when he was a candidate, were, first of all, idiotic. And it didn't show much respect for Chuck Grassley as the grandfather of the wind energy tax credit. They'd use a lot of wind up they do. In, uh, in Iowa. Something like 40% of their energy, their electricity, is provided by clean wind energy, which provides lots of jobs, too. It's a big sector. Correct. 4,000 wind turbines up there, and the state gets, yes, 40% of their electricity from wind. And those are jobs that cannot be outsourced. But, you know, if the wind's not blowing, darling, we won't be able to watch TV. Because Trump has never heard of batteries. To, Big batteries. To quote uh, Chuck Grassley, the president of the United States is idiotic. Again, told you, not much m news on today's broadcast. <laughs> Uh, Got to get out. My thanks to our producer, Desi Doyen, to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. It's always appreciated if you missed any portion of today's show or any other, or you just want to share it with your friends and family and torture them as well. You can download it for free anytime at bradblog.com. That is thanks to those of you who stopped by bradblog.com slash donate to help us stay on the air and to make the broadcast free for all. You can drop me an email if you like. I'm bradcast at bradblog.com. And on the Facebooks and the Twitters, I am simply the Brad Blog. We will see you there until we meet again. I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. For to live without your love is just impossible. 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 impossible.